You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. It is always great to have the youth on the front row because if I accidentally sort of project more than words... They don't mind, you know, it's just kind of like I just cover them up and, and they'll be okay. Really grateful for what the Lord does on these weekends. I know that a lot of you made some serious, did some serious business with the Lord. Um, so let, let me start this morning by asking you a question. Have you ever felt betrayed? I mean, all the way down at the core of your being, betrayed. I'm not talking about you feel like someone misrepresented a product that you were purchasing and you got home and said, well, this isn't what it was supposed to be. I've been betrayed. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about deep betrayal. Someone lied to you. Someone that you loved dearly was hiding something from you did something to you that devastated you. you. When you think about it, you have to love someone at a pretty deep level to feel betrayed by that person. You can be hurt, angry, but to be betrayed is a different level altogether. On the other hand, have you ever betrayed someone or been accused of betraying someone? You did something that someone maybe misunderstood, didn't know everything there was to know about it, and they felt deeply betrayed. I wonder how many people I might have betrayed or they felt betrayed by me when I didn't intend it. So, one more question. Have you ever felt alone, misunderstood, and despised, and then someone stepped in to defend you when you were Utterly defenseless. There was no way you could speak for yourself, but someone spoke for, for you. There are a few things that encourage and strengthen the heart like someone defending you when you are vulnerable and exposed. Imagine what it would be like to have done an unthinkable wrong and someone steps in and takes your punishment for you. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Look, it's not going to play out this way. It plays out this way day in and day out. But Satan accusing you, accusing you, and Jesus stepping in and saying, No, he belongs to me. He's okay. I paid the price for him, for her. If you think you're bad, you ought to hear one of those sessions when Satan is accusing you. Everything comes out. But Jesus steps in when you're utterly defenseless and says, I paid the price. So if you've been tracking with these questions, this would be a good time to feel hurt or disappointed or angry or defensive or embarrassed or maybe grateful. It may be the perfect time, in fact, for a song, 
a song to soothe you. Wouldn't you know we just happen to be in Isaiah 50 this morning where we are going to hear the third of four servant songs about the servant of the Lord, Yahweh's servant, Jesus. Although the result of this song is going to be a balm to our weary and battered souls, the song will not feel like a warm blanket on a cold night. In fact, this song will feel like the violent rejection of the Savior that it describes. It is through this rejection, though, that our hope comes. And hope comes to those who will acknowledge their sin and follow the servant. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. What is repentance? We, t we use that word a lot. I was just standing here as we were singing about that while ago, about the Lord's mercy. Oh, that song took a very heavy heart of mine. It's a very heavy heart of mine. And began to lift it. And by the time we got to praise, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. I was just thinking about for eternity praising the name of the Lord with all the redeemed. What a day that is going to be. And the goodness of God to think about that ought to lead us to repentance. Repentance is not a stopping of doing bad things and starting doing good things. It's a change of our mind that leads to the other. But it's a change of heart. It's, a, it's, it's an acknowledgement of our sin at the levels that God talks about like we discussed last week it's it's to say lord i agree with you please forgive me i don't ever want to do that again look we're going to struggle with sin all of our lives but every one of us needs to say when we come to the lord i don't ever want to do that again how has your tongue been loose this week how have you what have you said about people that that you regret what have you done this week that you regret? All of those we ought to bring to the Lord and say, Lord, please, please remove this from me. It's because of your mercy and your kindness that I can even be in your presence. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to sin. So we're going to encounter this Savior who makes eternal life available to those who will follow him. I must also say that there is a warning at the end of the text that, that should command all our attention. Every one of us needs to give thought to this warning. Today and next Sunday, we're going to be confronted with the price. We're going to be reminded of the price that Jesus paid for our betrayal of God by our sin. Today's text is Isaiah 50, verse 4 through 52, 12, although we're only going to examine Isaiah 50, uh, 4 through 11. The third servant song, which is sung by Jesus, is found in verses 4 to 9. And then there are two possible responses. Actually, they are two responses. One of two responses every single person will make to the Savior, even if they've never heard of him. We all will respond in one way or another. Either we will trust Jesus or we will reject him. We will work to make our own way in this world, hoping it will be good enough for the next, if we believe 
in the next. So two responses to the song, two responses to the servant are given in verses 10 and 11. I'm including chapter 51 and most of chapter 52 in the text because as we're working our way through Isaiah, we can't cover everything. And I just want to encourage you to read through that. In fact, read through Isaiah 53 before next week. That's where we'll be next uh, Sunday morning. Uh, So for now, Isaiah 50 verses 4 through 11. Keep in mind that this servant is Jesus who is speaking. If you would please stand as the scripture is read. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who were taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Sovereign Yahweh, four times in this text. The Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, sovereign Yahweh, Helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold all of them. Will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord. And obeys the voice of his servant. Let him who walks in darkness. And has no light. Trust in the name of the Lord. And rely on his God. Behold. All you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. This you have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. That's a difficult way to say, difficult verse after which to say, let's pray, let's do. Father, Thank you so much that you are willing to tell us all your thoughts, at least enough of your your thoughts to help us to know how you expect us to respond to the word that has gone forth and has come to us through the scripture and through the account of Of Jesus Christ living and dying on our behalf. This account being particularly graphic. In preparation for that which is even more graphic. Next week. Father thank you. That you have made known truth to us. We pray that we would take your word seriously. We would not just be here because you're supposed to be at church on Sunday, but we 
would stand alongside the Savior even as he was beaten and mocked and humiliated, although he chose not to be humiliated, but to stay humble. But Lord, it was a complete humiliation on the part of the people who pulled his beard out and spit in his face and mocked him and laughed at him. And we can only stand here now because nobody stood with him at the time. It was because of his willingness to stand like that. That we will stand with him or fall on our faces in praise throughout eternity. The one who died for us. Speak clearly, tenderly, passionately to our hearts. And may we hear just as Jesus heard. And respond accordingly. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you and be seated. Jesus instead of me. Jesus for me. That's the title of the message. It's, it's, it's likely that you've already made the connection between title and text. We'll go through these verses much like we did last week and like we'll do next week because that's the way songs ought to be. We're hitting the second, third, and fourth servant songs about Jesus three weeks in a row in Isaiah. And you ought to go through the songs verse by verse. If we were Baptists, we might skip every third verse, but we're not. We're going to go verse by verse in chapter 50, verses 4 through 11. At the end of today's ser sermon, uh, I'm going to list several ways that Jesus ministers to us in these days because of, of, of this time that was prophesied. With many teachers and many students in our congregation, I know that verse 4 is a sweet sound to many ears. This verse will resonate whether you're a teacher or not. And most of you are teachers. Even if you have nothing to do with teaching in your profession, you're telling others, especially about Scripture, you're saying, let me tell you what that means. I, there's so much I want you to know about what I've learned about Jesus. And so you just love telling other people. Verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who were taught what is the tongue of one who is taught? It's someone who's passing on what he knows, right? It's a teacher. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. So we know that it is Jesus speaking in verse 4. He's the perfect model of a disciple, even though he was and is eternal God. It's the big deal about Philippians 2. He was God, and yet he didn't consider it something to, be, to, to cling to. He didn't say, no, I, there's no way I'm going to earth. But he willingly laid aside some of the privileges of his deity and came to earth as a human and took the form of a servant 
And a disciple, he was a disciple himself, even though we always think about Jesus having disciples follow him. In, in, in many ways, he was a disciple himself. He followed Yahweh, and he did it eagerly. There's more here uh, than, than, than you may see at first glance. The primary focus in this verse is obedience. Do you see it? Jesus' obedience is being emphasized. To hear God's word in the Hebrew mind was to obey. That's why Jesus would say after he taught, let him who has ears to hear, hear. Let the one who has ears to hear, hear. Hear this and obey. Lots of times we say, um, I hear you, sweetheart. That's the way it's said, right? Or is it like, I hear you, okay? I hear you. You've said it five times in the last 43 minutes. I hear you. When you hear the word of God as it, we are commanded to do, then you will obey. Jesus' disciples did not always hear his words. They thought they did, gotcha. But then they had missed it entirely. But Jesus always heard Yahweh's word and he always obeyed 100% of the time. Not only was Jesus <coughs> obedient, but he was eager <coughs> to do Yahweh's will. In the morning he awakens my ear to hear. He got up saying, Yahweh, what do you want me to do? I will do it. Jesus was Yahweh, by the way. The New Testament makes it clear. That's another day, another sermon. But he's talking to his father saying, Yahweh, what do you want me to do? And he obeyed what he heard. I awake to obey what I am taught is what he was saying. <clears throat> I doubt most of you wake up in the morning and, and some days you say, I think I'll obey the Lord today. And other days... I just don't think I'll feel like obeying the Lord today. Now, maybe <clears throat> you do, but that would be weird if, it, if it's true. <clears throat> but Jesus always woke to obey. And it was his obedience that enabled him to sustain with the word him who is weary. Do these words <clears throat> sustain him <clears throat> who is weary? Do they remind you of anything in the New Testament? You, you have to think about Matthew 11, 28, 30, don't you? Come to me, Jesus said. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden it's light. Now, to know the full context of this, Jesus was speaking to men and women who had been weighed down by the legalism of the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, who said, if you want to go to heaven, now not only do you have to obey the law of the Old Testament, but we've got, in the case of the Sabbath, 33 more regulations that you have to abide by. <clears throat> they were weighed down with these 
regulations and the law. Even without the legalism of the Pharisees though. The law is a weight that is too heavy for any of us to bear. None of us is able. Not one of us is able to keep the law fully. And as James 2.10 reminds us. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point. Has become guilty of all. Have you ever been one mile over the speed limit? Uh, some of you, yes, on the way, you know, to 15 miles over the speed limit. <clears throat> one little, one little lie, one little half-truth. We're guilty of the entire law. That's a heavy burden to bear. Thus, it was necessary. We're, we're all of Adam's race, and so it's in, inevitable that we sin. Thus, it was necessary for a new race of people to be created. So, Jesus came as the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15 calls him, as the chief representative of the new family. That's the federal head of this family for you legal and Theological types. In verse 5 of Isaiah 50, the servant claims to have kept the law perfectly. Jesus' perseverance was in the face of great opposition. One of the reasons that we know that the servant speaking here is divine is because that no prophet would have ever claimed these things about himself. Even David, when he wrote similar types of things in the Psalms, would quickly identify the mercy of the Lord as his greatest blessing, the greatest blessing in his life. And then he would say, the Lord has enabled me to do these things. But no prophet would say, I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I was always perfect. It was one thing for Jesus to obey God perfectly, but more had to be done if we were going to be brought into this new family, this family that would be acceptable to the Lord. Since God must punish sin, a perfect substitute would be needed to die in the place of sinners and this substitute Jesus willingly became in obedience to his father's plan a plan that included his vicarious death on our behalf have you ever thought about how little detail the four gospel writers give about the agonies of crucifixion you you surely see Jesus Agony, but look, if it weren't for the case of Christ, we wouldn't know near as much about the crucifixion as, we, as the details of the crucifixion as we do, right? Why? Why did the gospel writers really focus on Jesus' spiritual and emotional and mental agony way more than they did his physical agony? I, I think for the most part, um, Crucifixion was, was a very common event in the first century, and everybody knew how horrible it was. And so for the most part, the writers just stuck to the basic facts of the event. 
When we come to Isaiah 53 next week, we'll, we'll read a detailed description of the level of suffering that Jesus would endure. And you will read Psalm 22 this week in home group, if your home group meets this week. And if you're not in a home group, go home and read Psalm 22 that, that, that talks about the agony that Jesus endured, that he suffered on our behalf because of the things that we had done. Uh, this account would be written, this account of, uh, uh, of Isaiah's would be written some 700 years before Jesus was alive. The Psalm 22 was written a thousand years before Jesus was alive. And it was centuries before crucifixion was the preferred mode of mass execution. Although there is some evidence that crucifixion at least existed in that day and in Isaiah's day. But it was not like it was later. Uh, verse 6 of our text brings us to an interesting place. If we only had three servant songs, we might wonder why the servant was called to suffer at this level. So what, what's this about exactly? Why is this person, this servant of God, this one who is perfect in everything he does, says, thinks, why will this person suffer at this level? In the fourth servant song, we're going to learn that Jesus endured this suffering on the part of sinners, both Jewish and Gentile. So verse 6, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from the disgrace and spitting. These events happened, of course, before the crucifixion. It's all part of the crucifixion event. But it was before Jesus was actually nailed to the cross. Jesus not only accepted the Father's plan. Now think about it. Oftentimes we, we talk about how grateful for we are, are for Jesus' sacrifice. And we are. Oh my. That's why he's exalted and given the central place of worship in our hearts and minds. But it was the Father's plan. It was the Father's love for us that sent Jesus to die in this way. And Jesus, in agony, said, please, Father, let this cup pass from me. But the silence of heaven was all the answer he needed. And he said, I accept your plan. And he moved forward and immediately was arrested after that prayer that night in the garden. And then he was put on trial, mocked and beaten, and he gave his back to those who, who split his back wide up, just tore the flesh off of him, exposing his bones. <clears throat> he willingly endured the indignity of having his beard pulled out, which I was thinking about it, and I... I, I I wrote down that that was an extreme indignity in that day. It was an extreme form of shame and humiliation that was, that was put upon others. But the only reason I say it was in that day is because it doesn't happen very much in this day. Um, but if it did, you would know not only how painful it is, but how humiliating it would be for somebody to just grab your beard and yank Pull it right out of your face. 
in addition, his abusers spit in his face. Do you sense in this verse Jesus' willingness to be put in this place of humiliation? When we find our association with Jesus either embarrassing or dangerous, we may well be tempted to turn our backs on him. But Jesus not only did not turn his back on us, he willingly gave his back to those who beat it. And why, would, why did they have to be beaten this way? Because of your sin. Your sin. My sin. That's why. Not so this new religion, this new form of an old religion could come in. Christianity. Not so that we could have this great work ethic and live like kings and queens, everyone. You're going to go eat like a king and queen within an hour. Bert Wallace talks about that. Um, every time we go to the Chinese buffet and done. He says, you know, kings and, kings and queens used to be the only ones that would eat like this. So he says it every time we go. So I hear it over and over and over. Uh, now, we haven't been in a while, have we, Bert? We need to go. Since it was the will of the Father for the Son to suffer, does that mean that the Father agreed with the accusations that were leveled against Jesus, the charges leveled against him? Does it mean that Jesus missed something and he wasn't perfect and the Father was forced to agree with his executioners? No way. Verses 7 through 9. But the Lord God helps me. Now this is before... The crucifixion, when Jesus is on the cross, he's going to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was necessary. But Jesus knew that he would be vindicated. I've thought about this a lot this week. In, in the garden, who ministered to him after he sweat great drops of blood because he was so intense and in such agony? Angels came and ministered to him. Perhaps the Lord ministered to him at this place, but... But the closer he got to the cross, the lonelier it became. And there would be a time when he would be utterly forsaken in the world. Bearing our sin next week. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, because God helps me, I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not... Be put to shame. There again, that distinction I often make between humiliation and humility. <clears throat> Verse 8. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, sovereign Yahweh helps me. Who will declare me guilty? All of them... Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Just gradually they'll be eaten away <clears throat> like a garment. In the end, Jesus will have no accusers. In fact, Jesus will be the judge. 
Verse 9 ends the servant song, and verses 10 and 11 provide the only two responses that are available to all human beings. You might hear about Jesus and say, eh, I'm not so sure. According to these two verses we're about to read, that's not an option. Really, the option is, I agree, I repent, I believe, or I reject it. You may agree and reject, but either you receive it or you reject this news. Um, and, 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 and he used a very interesting analogy, which we'll talk about more when we get to it. But he said, either the Lord is going to light your way, he's going to be the light of your life, or you're going to light this torch of your own making, and you're going to try to find your way through in a dark place with that torch that you have lit. <clears throat> By seeking to create your own light, though, you're rejecting the light of the Lord. And there's a great consequence for that. Look at verse 10, then we'll look at verse 11. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Isn't it always about trust? Isn't it always about trust? The question is not whether we will encounter dark places in our lives or not. We will. When we receive the light of Jesus, the New Testament tells us that our union with Christ will inform our decisions and especially our level of trust when life is difficult. Are you in a dark place? Trust in Jesus who suffered in your place. Do you love him? Walk in obedience when you just feel like giving up. When you just feel like walking away. It's only possible when one is united with Christ. And like the servant, he awakes eagerly day after day to hear the word of the Lord. There are all kinds of analogies we're going to be talking about in home group this week. About ways that we follow Jesus' example. But the only way we can follow Jesus' example is that if he is the one living through us. It's just like you taking a child's hand or... But if Christ lives in us, then it's accomplished. It's not that awkward that we have. But it's him doing the work in us. Will the suffering in this life come to an end? Maybe or maybe not until the end of life. But those who trust in Christ are promised eternal life with Jesus. The same is not so for those who focus only on this life. Verse 11. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. See, here's one of the worst things God can ever do. Or the worst things for us that God does. He just lets us alone. Just lets us live any way we want to live. This, so, he, he, and he says, just 
Just walk in that way. Go ahead. Walk in that way. But you need to understand this. This you have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. Now there are two or three possibilities of of meaning for the one who kindles a fire. This could describe those who are attacking the Lord's city with flaming arrows. Uh, It could refer to those who create their own light in darkness, fastening the torch to themselves to leave their hands free. Now think about that. Uh, If I light a torch, I want to handle it like this. As far away from me as possible. These guys, though, never knew when they were going to have to fight, so somehow they would attach the, the torch to themselves and they're, you know, so they can have their hands free. What's likely to happen if that's the case? Uh, not good things, that's for sure. It could be even that he's talking about the occult. This could be an occult practice. That's being referred to. In all these possible interpretations. God's response is the same. If you play with the wrong kind of fire. You're going to get burned. The implication is the same as it is. As it was in verse 10. What seems to be the one way in this life. Will be entirely different in eternity. If you fail to trust the Lord. You may Everything may go just right for you in this life. But when you face the Lord, you are going to come under judgment. Furthermore, the eternal torment will come from the Lord's hand. He says, this you shall have from my hand. So, as much as we want this to be true, it's not true. God doesn't send anyone to help. They send themselves by not believing in Jesus. Thabiti, I'm not even going to try to say his last name, was at uh, the Nine Marks Conference while you guys were uh, eating brownies and ice cream at 1.30 a.m. We were trying to sleep off the Nine Marks Conference up at uh, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary at Wake Forest. But he, he was talking about hell and he said, people don't go to hell because they reject Jesus. Remember that. They go to hell because of their sin. See, sin, hell in the future, that's the default position. It's not, I'm good and as long as I don't mess it up or if I go ahead and trust Jesus, everything will be okay. No, it's all going this way until the Lord rescues us. And so he says, this you have from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. I read this somewhere this week. I went back. I tried to read it, but I'm certain that I tried to find it because I wanted to confirm it. But they said one of the practices, and this could be referring to this, one of the practices when, when nations would conquer other nations, they would make the conquered lie down in humility or just lie down face down on the ground to, in order to humiliate. Humiliation was the order of the day. And especially if a a nation like Israel or Jerusalem, Judah and Jerusalem had rebelled against the Babylonians and they held out for years before finally the the famine overtook them uh, under the siege. And they would make the people lie down and the victors would walk on their backs 
And who knows, they may have had spikes on their backs, on their shoes. Um, the Romans surely did later, had spikes for a defensive position. So God says, you have this from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. And the fire that you lit will be eternal. That's a, that's a dark place to end. <laughs> Let's don't end right there. Let's think about the wonderful news that's in verse 10. If you trust the Lord in a dark place, you will receive his light, both in this life and the life to come, no matter how dark your circumstances. You will be able to face, set your face like a flint, like a rock in the face of troubles. You will not only... You will not only be trouble-free in eternity, but you will live in a city that has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the lamb. The servant that we were singing about, Isaiah, is the lamb that lights all eternity. For those who believe, it's, it's hard to understand why people don't believe. It could be that you just believed three or four weeks ago. I know what it's like. I remember being saved when I was 18 years old. I wanted everybody. And I was like, how can you not believe this? Uh, just think about two months ago, you know, where you were. It could be that you grew up in a home where you heard Jesus' name. You can't remember a time when you didn't believe in Jesus. But what if you had grown up in a home where Jesus was mocked by your parents? Where self-reliance was the order of the day. And don't you dare trust God. He'll just let you down like all people do. He's just like everybody else. And in fact, he's got the power to not let you down. So how evil is he? I don't even believe in God. You ever notice how much time people who are angry with God talk about they don't believe in him or the people that don't believe in God talk about him because they're so angry and God says look this life is full of trouble because of sin we all have trouble I have sent my son the servant the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the earth and all who believe in him will not only have their way Brighten here, it will be for eternity. Who believes? Those who have ears to hear. If you have always tried to do your best and hope that it's good enough for you to be in, get into heaven, then the Savior has a word for me. Come unto me, all you that work hard at doing good things, and you're weighed down with the burden of, of trying to be good enough and not sure that you are. I have good news for you. I will give you rest. Just trust me. I've done the work for you. And the work was our punishment. Put your trust in Jesus no matter how dark your path is. What has Jesus done for us? Jesus always walked in righteousness. So that we might be lifted from the muck and the mire of this world. Jesus was cursed. So that we might be forgiven. Jesus 
was forsaken so that we might never have to be alone. Jesus was condemned so that we might be free from the power that sin has over us. Now and especially later. And last, Jesus bared his back to those who mercilessly beat him. And he allowed his beard to be plucked out in humiliation. So that we might persevere in dark places. And so that we might be brought back into the family. Even after we have run away. Did you hear it? In your mercy I walked away. But the Lord brought me back. Hallelujah. What a savior. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. We sing that next week. Because of Jesus' endurance of the most grievous suffering ever experienced, ever. We will be able to finish well. Not just to start well, but to finish well. Those who trust the Lord in dark places will enter eternal light. And ever more be carefree of the cares and the troubles that plague us. While we inhabit these broken bodies and we deal with these divided, conflicted, troubled minds. When Jesus returns or when we who believe pass from death into life, we will be so grateful for the servant's work and that we trusted the Lord when everything in life argued against that trust. We'll close this morning with these words from Reed Lessing about finishing well. Quote, a faithful finish does not mean finishing first or finishing without disappointment. A vigorous finish comes by daily listening for the word that sustains the weary. Isaiah 54. Four. It, 54. It is ours when we entrust our lives to the servant. 5010 that we just read. He who began a good work in you will finish it on the day of Christ Jesus. His faithful finish on Good Friday led to Easter glory, Easter glory, securing our resurrection when he returns. We will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I don't know everything that means, but it's really good. And we're called to believe exactly that. Let's pray.
Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.